vote of confidence as they start. <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, are you ready? Yeah. yeah. Kind of. Sound like George. Do you want this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well. Yes, please. We are good to go. Well, I'm going to have to edit that out. We peaked. Hello. Blow everything up. How, how much red can we get on the, on the screen Probably there? Probably a lot. Don't tempt me. <laughs> so, we are in Acts. We uh, did kind of a, I don't want to say a basic intro last week, but kind of just an introduction uh, as to where we're going to go throughout this book and, yeah. and the... Uh, the underlying theme throughout the whole thing. So, what are we doing this week? Well, as we were, you know, as we were looking through the the overall picture of Acts, we're going to see that kind of thing that the, the Church of Christ, empowered by the Spirit of Christ, impacting the world for Christ. We're going to see that over and over again throughout all these different stories in in different ways. And and what um, last week we sang at church, uh, the church is one foundation and. And that's really what all of this hinges on, is Jesus Christ is the foundation of everything. He, he is the head of the church. It's his church. And what drives them throughout this book is the reality of Christ as our foundation. Their mm-hmm. eyes are on Christ, and therefore everything that happens flows naturally from it. When people get their eyes off of Christ and still do religious things, it is invariably condemned. So we mm-hmm. see that... Um, when we see an example of, of Barnabas at one point, it's actually we'll see it in the next chapter. Uh, we see Barnabas um, selling property and giving it to the church, and it's commended and it's wonderful because his eyes are on Christ. It's not even about, it has nothing to do with me. I don't, I don't care who gets the credit. People have need. I have an opportunity. Here we go. Right. Then we see the exact same thing right after that with Ananias and Sapphira, where they're coming in and I'm, I'm kind of giving away future podcasts. Spoilers. But uh, they do this. They do the same thing. They sell a piece of property. And they bring in the money. And pretend that they're giving all the money. They didn't have to give any of it. Right. Their eyes got off of Christ onto themselves and how people are going to think of me. And, you know, I'm, right. I'm putting thoughts in. But it's pretty, pretty evident, pretty right. clear. <clears throat> their eyes are off of Christ. And they do the same thing. And it's condemned. In fact, they both die. Uh, that's pretty heavy if you know when we say we want things to be like the book of acts i don't know if we really mean that because the the miraculous things that happen and god's direct intervention and the the immediacy of the holy spirit that happens there means that very dynamic things happen but also immediate judgment like Mm -hmm. you know these two come they go through the religious motions and they have their hypocrisy and they die I don't think that yeah, that's our church services would survive yeah. if everybody who had hypocrisy in their heart was struck dead in the middle. If somebody who's pretending to be more spiritual than they are and you you drop dead in church, we would have a real problem. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, what we see is this foundation of Christ driving everything else. And um, last week when we talked about um, talked about the the overall book, I, I made reference to the movie Elf and and. We talked about Buddy the Elf and the idea that Buddy was so consumed with what he knew to be true. I mean, the idea that there was no Santa Claus, just, come on. Who doesn't believe You sit on a throne of lies. I think I may have actually You smell like beef and cheese. One of my favorite lines in the show. (laughs) But but he did not care what anybody else thought of him. He felt rejected. He went through all the emotions of being rejected and all that kind of stuff. But it did not sway him from believing in 
the beauty of Christmas, the reality of Santa Claus, the all, all these different things. And so... It's such a quotable movie. I could just sit here so all day. Cool. <laughs> and I don't often quote Will Ferrell movies, but in Hi, fact, buddy, I don't often watch Will Ferrell movies. But, but that movie has so much there. And that idea of, of how Buddy the Elf lived his life, he knew reality. It didn't yeah. matter what anybody else thought of him, what anybody else believed. didn't matter how much reality New York City could put in his face. This is real. This is who I am. Nothing changes that. Therefore, I'm going to sing loud for all to hear. I'm going to in a store. I'm going to do. <laughs> I, I'm going to love because love is right. I'm going to. Right. I'm going to express myself because that's right. I'm going to take care of other people because that's right. And that's what happens in the Book of Acts. They're so filled with the reality of Christ. It doesn't matter that the world is rejecting them. Right. It doesn't matter that they're being arrested and thrown in jail. It doesn't matter that they're being. Um, imprisoned and, and beaten and persecuted and even martyred it just doesn't matter because this is real and all this stuff that that feels real these beatings they're going to end this life it's going to end and i'm going to be with christ i don't even care about the rest of this stuff now they still have all the emotions we mm-hmm. see them go through the whole gamut of emotions with elation and sadness and fear and and, and uh anger and, and impatience and frustration just like we do but the priority, the focus is Christ. And because of that, the power of the Holy Spirit driving them, they just live like Buddy the Elf. They go by the four basic food groups. Yeah. Candy, candy cane, <laughs> maybe, candy corns, and syrup. Maybe not like Buddy in that way. <laughs> Although, or you're going to be have diabetes really quick. <laughs> uh, I think it's important to note, though, um, one, one thing that has really been a pet peeve of mine over the past couple of years especially is people that will say, this is my reality. Right, this is yeah. my my truth, my reality. We're talking with the kids in youth group about postmodernism and relativism and the reality the reality of reality yeah. as opposed to my I mean, the reality. fact of the matter is, yeah, you can feel however you want to feel, but there is one reality. Right. Truth is true. Right. It doesn't matter what you think it is. Right. It is. That's so frustrating to me when people say, this is my reality. You don't understand because it's my reality, not yours. It's funny that you say that. I just tweeted that yesterday. Oh, I didn't see it because I'm not on Twitter. Reality does not care what you believe. Exactly. Exactly. Again, you can feel what you want to feel, but... Your beliefs don't impact what is. They impact your interaction with what is. But they have nothing to do. It doesn't make truth more true or less true. Truth is always true. And I think people turn to this, this is my reality or this is my truth, because reality itself, real reality, ain't always easy. And it's not pretty. And like you're you're saying here in in Acts and throughout throughout Scripture, the reality of things is usually exceptionally hard to, to deal with. That's why I love the fact that God doesn't give us some pristine religious document in, in mm-hmm. his word. It, from beginning to end, it is just fraught with stories of real people doing real things that very often are displeasing to God. My mom was talking to me. She's getting through Genesis right now. Yeah, she sent me a message. Right, and she's like, there's a lot of junk going on in Genesis. Right. I'm like, yeah. It's, must, God must not be happy with this. Yeah. It's nasty stuff. Point. So much of what happens. I would... And I don't have any math to back this up, but I would I would say probably the vast majority of what we see in Scripture is the opposite of what pleases God. Mm-hmm. It's calling down 
life apart from him. And so right. we see throughout Israel's history, throughout our own human history, uh, as a human race, yeah, there's so much the bad examples. And, in the God, <laughs> and God doesn't hide that stuff. Right. Just because you see polygamy in the scripture does not mean God endorses or, right. or allows polygamy. He doesn't condone it. But he does bless us in spite of ourselves in various ways. So when Sarah brings in Hagar, uh, I think your mom actually mentioned this to me a week or so ago. When Sarah brings in Hagar so that they can have a child because they're going to keep God's promise for him rather than trusting God to do it. Uh, it creates all kinds of problems. God's not happy about this, and yet he doesn't abandon Hagar. He promotes Ishmael to to make uh, nations from him as well. Um, Now, the consequences of those things is that those nations are still at war today. You know, that we still see this conflict between the the Arab nations and the the Jewish nation. So God doesn't just say, well, you messed up, you know, you're you're done. Now, there are times when he does. Right. And he, well, I'm getting off into the the Old Testament, but there, but there's so much of what God, by His own sovereign inspiration of Scripture, chooses to include, mm-hmm. that gives us a picture of flawed people, right. living by grace, right. repenting, choosing to live for God, failing, getting up, doing it again, and going out there to live for God, to turn from my way to His way failing right. and, and just relying on his grace. And the only way that we even can, uh, Hebrews eleven six says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Impossible. You can't please God, period, unless you are a believer, unless you are a Christ follower. If you're not in him, you got a problem because he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But we see over and over again that we can't seek him mm-hmm. because we're too wretched. So it's that faith that God gives us that puts in us the opportunity and ability to be able to see and receive the gospel that changes our will. So we want things now by the Spirit that we could not, would not want according to our own corrupted selves. You're going to Dr. Seuss there for Yeah, me. Dr. Seuss has a lot to do with it. I didn't mean to get up, get us too off topic there, but well, I think it all comes back to, and that's I guess one of the interesting things about this book is now we've transitioned from the life of Christ in His earthly ministry to the life of the church, Christ through the church, the Holy Spirit driving the birth and development of the church, uh, the Holy Spirit in every believer as we're going forward, and and we'll see so many issues that come up that all of these things that that you're talking about ultimately relate back to this mm-hmm. because that's what's happening is is the world is being changed as individuals are being changed because of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the presence, the, the personal presence of the Holy Spirit in believers. All right. Well, we'll focus on that this week. I'm going to go have the world's best cup of coffee. Well, all right. That was another elephant. Yes, right. <laughs> I had to sneak one more in. You're going to have to get to New York to get that. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, I, do, I will go to New York one day. But probably not for the best cup of coffee. Maybe for the best donuts. <laughs> if you do, take Zoe Deschanel with you. I would like to take Zoe Deschanel wherever. She seems like a quirky, fun she gal. She may not appreciate the world's greatest cup of coffee, though. Maybe not. She's a vegan. So there's no cream for her. All right. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening.